magical. Welcome to Magic Monday. I am Tess Whitehurst, a spiritual author and spiritual teacher. And I'm Natasha Levenger, energy healer, energy reader, and spiritual coach. And this is a podcast about all the ways we experience and use the magic of the universe in our everyday lives. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Okay, we'll just tell them right now. (laughs) Yeah, let's just get it out in the open. (laughs) We had to record again. So because of technical difficulties on my part of not saving it. And but it's been a couple days, so it's not like we're doing it immediately yeah. after we feel kind of fresh about it. We sort of forgot what we talked about. Mostly but forgot. Just so you know, like we probably are gonna refer back mm-hmm. to like yep. the cards we drew last time, for example. That's right. But I don't remember much about <laughs> what we said about what happened. Well, so yeah. yeah, like the tune in and the cards we drew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, if this is your first time listening, welcome. Thanks for listening. And this is at the beginning of the podcast. We talk about the cards we drew at the end of the last podcast for this past week. And then it's sort of like a check-in. So we talk about how that played into our past week. So last week, you drew from the Mystical Cats Tarot, The Emperor. And I drew from my Magic of Flowers Oracle, Daisy, which is Simplify. I mean, we recorded this two weeks ago. And if you had told me I picked that card four weeks ago, I would have believed you. Oh, because it seems like forever I don't remember that. I don't remember. Well, I did also tell you two days ago. I know. That's what I'm saying. We recorded two (laughs) days ago. And I don't, I still don't remember. (laughs) Does Um, that mean I'm living in the moment? Or am I starting to have signs of Alzheimer's? I think it's, I mean, I <laughs> I, I feel like it's that you live in the moment. I that you're just, that. you know, you're just fully, and, and sort of that airy aspect of your personality. Okay. Like easy come, easy go kind <laughs> of thing. <laughs> Is that how we, you know, that's how I feel about my airy aspect. But often air signs are described as being very, mentally like cerebral well you have all that water too i know you I always, don't you have always a are like no I, yes, I only have see, one water now it is potent the water but it's it is done. a pisces rising yeah. is a lot of water yeah that's, that's a very true. watery okay. okay really watery person and also my north node is in pisces those are the two things and they're both in the first house which means it's like dominates my personality essentially it's what oh. drives me what what yeah. what i lead with Right, so So you have a lot of water. But I don't have a lot of, like, I think Pisces specifically is like a spiritual water, you know, whereas Uh like Cancer is more like like connected to your emotions. I don't have any of that. I mean, I'm connected to my emotions, but I don't cry (laughs) is what I mean. That's what I mean. Like, it's often associated with crying. I'm extremely in touch with my emotions, but I, I don't cry. Yeah, but that you definitely have that watery spiritual yeah. aspect okay. for sure. Okay, thanks. And there's a cat just appeared in your background. <laughs> well, I'm surprised <laughs> only one. There's currently three in here, and we adopted, as many of you know, four kittens recently. And we used to have the same number of cats, but grown cats, and many died this year, also, as many of you know. And so we accumulated as we were fostering more kittens and it really feels like 
we quadrupled the number of cats in this house because of that kitten energy. Like suddenly they're everywhere at all times. Ah, It's cute. It's also but it's a lot. It's a lot. I love it though, of yeah. course. Who am I kidding? Okay, so how did the week play out pour toi? That's for you in French. Oh, um <laughs> well, I did not know that. You didn't? Uh you, no, somehow I didn't think it was toi. Mm. I thought it was something well, else. Well, it's also I don't know vu. Why. Formal is vu. Oh. Informal is two. Well, okay. okay. So anyway, glad <laughs> um, we recorded Emperor this. and Daisy. Yeah, I definitely feel um, like there was a simplification, mental simplification that happened for me this week. Which I it, like that was the Daisy card, but then also I could see it aligned with Emperor because it did feel like life path stuff. Like felt like there was a bunch of sort of like stress and a lot of information. Like I would wake up with a lot of stuff in my mind mm. and also was like kind of like not feeling uh, I don't know like all the stuff that's happening in the world was sort of weighing on me like that kind of feeling and then I had I mean I did do an Akashic clearing on myself and that I feel like that was maybe part of it but I feel like this opening into silence happened for me that feels like oh yeah I can just wake up and simply do my thing, you know, meditate mm-hmm. and write and offer my gifts to the world without having like just a bunch of stories that were kind of like uh, piling up. Do you know what I mean? So you think the Akashic healing cleared out the mental noise a little bit? I think that was some of it. I think it was also just like a sort of a portal <laughs> that I was moving through, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, because I did also, I also think that, um, so listeners something that Natasha and I did was we are guests on a podcast that hasn't come out yet but we were talking about QAnon. It comes out today though. Oh does it? It comes out the same day as our podcast? I believe so. I think she said Monday. Oh Oh, okay. So um so I feel like that may have also helped like that it was like that all this stuff kind of that I had been thinking about and stressing out about Ah. like that QAnon in our community our, our spiritual community that it just like talking that out and also showing up for that, like that this is an issue that's important to me and then talking about it. it I think that kind of helps me feel like, oh, okay, I'm channeling that uh-huh. into something constructive. You uh, know what I mean? That's good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, we we talked about how it's like, well, if you want to listen, you know, that'd be great. It's Charmed Life, is that what it's called? Yeah, Charmed Life with Trisha Cobb. Yeah, but basically we were talking about how, well, (laughs) I'm focused on the thing that I was saying, but one thing that I said was that it's a thought virus (laughs) and talking it out about that, like, made it more clear to me why, like, why I'm not involving myself in it because to make it more universal anytime something is like where you're being gaslit by someone or you know and by that I mean like they're telling you one thing you feel an internal truth but you can tell by what they're saying they're they're telling you it's not true basically which is kind of what I feel in some ways this whole QAnon thing is it's like they're all trying to say like this thing is happening and that we're crazy if you don't believe it and and when you start to get into an argument with gaslighters you will always lose I mean that's how I grew up you know trying to like figure out my mother 
trying to get her to believe me, believe me, believe me, be-, you know, and she just was like, yeah. she was too in her own story, you know, to ever to be able to come out of it. Sometimes she would. And that's even trickier because it's like I'd see a glimpse like she would be like, I mean, have I talked about this before? She would be like, um, you should be a lawyer because you just convinced me of these things. You really just convinced me. And but it was really just that I was trying to be reasonable with her. <laughs> and like, yeah. And I was like, okay, great. And then I'd come back five minutes later. It's as if the conversation never happened. Uh. I mean, we were right back to square one. I was like, you told me I should be a lawyer. What? Anyway, so this is how it is with QAnon in some ways. It's like, that's why I realized like, oh, I can't even participate. I am not participating in this, be- in the discussion. I mean, with QAnon people, people who believe Or like it. investing yourself energetically. Yes. Yeah. With the whole, with people that are invested in it because it's just a no-win situation. Right. Yeah. I mean, I did, I had set some boundaries on my, uh, on my social media where it's like if someone is talking about theories that are related to QAnon, even sort of like just vaguely, you could just kind of tell their get what they're getting at. Yeah. I just block them, ban them, block them. Yeah. Like, it's not okay on my on my site yeah um but yeah I think that that when I realized that um it was so I just didn't realize I hadn't realized till recently how many people in the metaphysical community were buying into that and that that just unsettled me triggering kind of asked me caused me to ask myself like what am I how am I contributing to this or how have I contributed to this and that it was it was a kind of a lot of stuff to think about yeah. but I feel like I did simplify this week where I got a little like Clear. I was able to set some boundaries yeah and also I finally finished that book Cult of Trump which ended on a hope more hopeful note oh, <laughs> so good. that kind of like you know here's some constructive ways you can uh, work with people who are under mind control which is right you know many 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 trump supporters which is what you talked about a little bit the uh, the, some of the things you can do on the other podcast yeah yeah and it also does sound very emperor energy setting these boundaries you know getting more clear about what you need that's real emperor stuff yeah, and, and life path, sort of, um, mm-hmm. which I, I associate the emperor with Capricorn energy, which I don't know if that's accurate. That Haven't we talked about? Yeah, that, that sort of like boundaries and structure and yeah. life path alignment type of energy. Yeah, next year, and the emperor is the card of the year for 2020, which made a lot of sense. Like mm-hmm. all these structures coming into question and... Um, authority yes. our relationship with authority yes our relationship with obedience yes and our own relationship to it boy that really makes sense about how a lot of like anti-maskers were like coming up against that mm-hmm. emperor card like mm-hmm. how are they going yeah um next year it's the hierophant which is should be interesting but anywho so shall we move along well, yeah, but do you want to talk about how did you oh. did the Daisy card or the Emperor card oh, oh, oh. play into your week at all? Yeah, so for me, it was like it was a quieter energy, but both of them did come into play. I've really been because I've talked about this before, but we're doing a manifesting course which starts in January, and so I've really been doing a lot of like diving deep into the practices just for my own self because I love it and um. And I am trying to, I'm 
creating different things right now. So um, like trying to get a, an agent for my book and being more clear, like clearing up. So that would be the daisy card, clearing up shadow stuff around that for me, stuff yeah, that's coming yeah. up. Because manifesting work, as we teach it and as we believe in it, is a holistic process. It's not just about, it's definitely not good vibes only. So it's an it's an always, uh, you know, going on process. What's the word for going on? There, there was a better Contin- word for that. It's a continual. That's better. Um, <laughs> it's a continuous process. As your life unfolds, if you're growing, you're always going to be looking at more shadow stuff What and unfolding more of what you came here to do. So that's something I've been doing. And I've really been working on just noticing where I haven't been believing in myself and what I recently actually yesterday realized was one big step I can take is to just double excuse me it's funny I cracked my voice at that point double down on believing in myself like because when I want to put myself out there a lot of ancestral doubt oh my god I actually had a really intense ancestral healing um this morning oh wow (laughs) (laughs) good thing we recorded no uh well it was really amazing because and you'll hear in Christopher Benzik's interview we talk about the Merkaba again he talks about it really beautifully, but um, I was and I was doing my Merkaba thing, and I realized, like, oh my god, this doubt that I've been holding is really my ancestor. It's so my Jewish ancestor doubt. Like, it's so my. I've been noticing that in my reprogramming with my subconscious stuff that I've been doing. Oh. That I, I talked about it before. That I saw my mother's shame, and then like my mother's shame lifted, and I realized that was my shame. And yeah. so taking that a step further, I realized, oh my God, I was seeing it in this meditation that it's not just my mother's; it's her mother's; it's the, her mother. You know, oh, and it's yeah. very Jewish this particular energy of it. And so what I did was I kind of. Um, metaphorically like in the meditation like lit a candle for them you know in the meditation and I was like I love you and I appreciate you so much and we don't need to hold this anymore I'm letting go Uh, of it and I saw it just like lift uh, I love that I love that about ancestral healing how you can heal in all directions of time yes I yeah, was seeing I it goosebumps. also in the future, too. It was like all of <sighs> it was just I could feel it like and see it like an energy field. And and also I haven't because I've struggled in my relationship with my mother and both sides of the family, really. There's a lot of um, tough energy there. I've been ha- I have a hard time with ancestral healing in terms of appreciating them you know (laughs) but um but here I I was able to and it was like I could feel their gratitude and I felt so much love for them and anyway it's really helped me to be like hey yeah I believe in myself and I know what I'm doing (laughs) yeah and like yeah and even like with this book um it's funny because Tess and I have been listening to this really funny podcast called The Renner Files, which is a comedy <laughs> podcast. I'm wrapping this up, but it's a comedy podcast about Jeremy Renner. <laughs> <laughs> and about his app that he has. Yeah. And, but just also about like how he's so confident. 
But he said, (laughs) but he did, he said this thing, even though it was funny, he said this thing in there where he was like, um, if somebody loves what I do, that's amazing. And if they don't love what I do, it's still amazing. What I'm doing doesn't change depending on how people like it. And I was like, oh, shit. And am I getting real information from Jeremy Renner yeah, right now? That is inspiring. <laughs> yes. It's true. Yeah. So that's how I was feeling about my book. It's like I realized I <laughs> was putting my book, content, my the value of my book contingent on like an agent rejecting me. It's like, what? No, it's still the same thing. It's still good, in my opinion. I love it. So. Yeah, that is really, you're right. That whole second episode <laughs> when they were talking about his music video, too. How they're like, he knows we don't understand it, and he doesn't care. <laughs> oh, my God. If only that, that music was any, was any. It, the funny thing is that his music is so mainstream that it's like he's talking about something real avant-garde or something avant-garde, like, Yoko Ono or something but then you listen and it's like they were saying like bad imagine dragons and so it is kind of funny to have that kind of energy behind something so he's basic, like but... I did watch the video too the the one in the desert and he commits so much it is really inspiring how much he commits to it so that I was even sometimes like this is is this good it's like no it's not good but it feels like it for a second because he commits so much maybe it is good maybe it isn't well, either way yeah no it's it is. some people will like it some some of you our listeners may love it and that's great and then some of us may not love it and that's just as great so to sum up, ance- deep ancestral <laughs> healing and Jeremy Renner <laughs> caused me to feel a lot more self-worth this week. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I love that. All right. So before we get to our really great interview, I mean, we loved interviewing Christopher Penzang. He was so we fun. We really did. I really yeah. enjoy him. Um, uh, what shall we talk about? We want to talk about our course. Your, you want to talk about your class? Oh first? yeah. Well, it's very quickly, soon. it's actually today, so it, only if you're listening Monday. Although you can also get the recording if you like, and either way, it's just as good. But um, it does. I, I of course love it when people are there live. Um, but the energy is still just as powerful either way. But basically, in a nutshell, it's the solar eclipse today also a new moon it's very um just an fyi if um anywhere you have sagittarius in your chart um it will be amplified specifically 23 degrees sagittarius so um what you want to look at what house sagittarius is in in your chart and also any planets that's separate from my class. I was just giving you a little info. <laughs> <laughs> just a side note. But Tess will be feeling it in her moon, feeling it right in the moon. Yeah. In your emotions in the 12th house for Tess. Anywho, um, so what I'll be doing is <laughs> basically because, oh boy, I'm trying to say this quickly, but essentially we're going to be releasing old patterns that are stopping you from really kind of what I've been talking about, feeling your core essence, feeling why you came here, and then going with the Ascended Masters and your guides and angels um, through various points in your timeline and reprogramming it so you're feeling super connected to your whole self and then merging that with your present time self. And 
um, yeah, it's just a really powerful time to do that because the solar eclipse amplifies everything. And even though it is a time of letting go, we will be addressing that. But I think it's really super, I, I feel it's very important to be connecting to our real core self, which is when we do that, we can release doubt and be more centered. Well, that's happening. Yeah. Oh, so you can go to my website, highestlighthealing.com and sign up there or go to my Instagram, highestlighthealing. Yes. Okay. And we also want to talk about our manifesting course. We recorded the first lesson and it was so fun. This is going to be this workshop, this course is really going to be amazing. You're going to want to get on the waiting list too, because you'll get a great discount, an early bird discount. And, um, so this is about how to manifest, but it's, as Natasha mentioned already, this is holistic. This is about opening up to all the feelings. It's aligning with what we want to create and then letting that not only be, you know, a way for us to create what we want, but also to get into alignment with who we really are, with our joy, to allow the shadows to come up once we focus on our goal, like what's in the way of that, mm -hmm. and then welcome that acknowledge it and let it go yeah have so self compassion self-love yeah. stop letting go of being small in your life and really claiming all of who you are yeah just getting that knack so we're gonna practice all different aspects of how to manifest yeah, feng, feng shui is involved yeah. shadow work all of it you yeah you you'll love it trust us you're gonna love it yeah and we're gonna so we do we're gonna do um recorded workshops and then uh we'll have a live q a so it'll be like you'll get the workshop on monday do the q a on thursday friday something that like that right. something like that yeah and we are actually taking the next two weeks off of the pod but you can yeah. be signing up for that because we We'll release the early bird for people on the list on December 28th. So we won't be here for that um, on the podcast. But if you sign up, you'll get that. Um, and another chance to see us is on Instagram live this week, Wednesday, the yeah, this Wednesday. 16th at 7 p.m. Yeah, we're doing cocktail hour. Yeah, it's uh, 4 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Mountain, 6 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Eastern on Instagram, which is at Magic Monday Podcast. That's right. Um, it'll be really fun. We have a drink or an edible and then we just hang out and talk. People ask questions. It's real fun. I love it. Yeah, me too. I love it too. Um, I was going to say something about that, which I don't know what it was, but we hope to see you there. Um, should we do our interview now? Yeah, so now it's time for our interview with Christopher Penzak. So here it is. Our guest today is Christopher Penzak. Christopher Penzak is a modern witch working in the temple of witchcraft tradition and community he helped co-found. His practice focuses on the intersection of love, will, and wisdom as an ethos for today's witch and focuses upon relationships with the plant realm, the patterns of astrology, and the use of trance in craft. He is the author of many books, including the Temple of Witchcraft series and The Mighty Dead. His vision is of an evolving witchcraft culture, making magic accessible to all, yet preserving the heart of the mystery. 
Christopher, Hi. welcome. We're so happy to have you. Yeah, so, so happy. I was like, I said to Tess, what are we going to talk to him about? Because I feel like it's interviewing an encyclopedia. Like <laughs> you have so much knowledge about all of it. I don't even know where to begin. So I'm going to test. <laughs> and we, we love on our podcast. We absolutely love Ascension Magic. I mean, it's really in alignment with our podcast because we're real like intersection of witchcraft and new age here. And we also are both huge fans of the Merkaba meditation. We recommend your book for that. Like we've uh, countless times. <laughs> yeah, we just love yeah. it so much. So we thought I thought maybe we could start by talking about the Merkaba meditation. Is that that something that you still do regularly? I know you did at one point. It is. I would say it's still one of my key practices. And if I had to give something as much as I love all the occulty witchcraft, if I had to give one thing the credit for the leap over into spiritual adulthood, I would say it was the regular use of the Merkaba to build that body of light. That's wow. So interesting because since I started doing it, I mean, a lot has changed. I mean, like, <laughs> I'll just say that I talk about this on the podcast, but since I started doing it, like my guides, I always say it's like my guides tap me on the shoulder and we're like, we'll take it from here. And like they, they, I've been um, encased in a sphere of light. It's like they've been creating a plane of light taking mm -hmm. off from the Merkaba meditation and I mean it's just the I've received like crystals in my hands and power it's been I, I don't even know how to talk about it <laughs> yeah I agree with all of that I'd say I had my own kind of versions of all that so, yeah yeah it's been really um it was really the most powerful technique and um, I think it prepares your energy bodies for all the higher types of magic. You know, I've noticed, yeah. I say this with love to our, all our communities, you notice there's certain people who will go really deep, really quickly and go kind of crazy. You know, they'll just become yeah. unbalanced and they just, yeah. um, and I don't mean mental illness, but I mean, energetically, they become unbalanced mm. uh, and that affects all their relationships and, and everything. I feel like that could have been me. You know, I think the Merkaba creates a foundation to integrate all those forces and it creates a vessel to kind of hold higher consciousness so your, your vessel doesn't crack. You know, yeah. you're gonna do the big and deep stuff or you're gonna go higher vibrations and, and things like that. I think it damages the human body if you're not prepared for it. It's like lifting weights that you're not, you know, conditioned to and then mm. you can't something. Um, and I feel like that's been the daily practice or at least the regular practice of it. I probably do it maybe five times a week still is like just a, a check-in intro to other working yeah or practice so do you do the whole thing like because I usually stop at the I, I stop at the first break I guess I know you know what I realize we should probably update our listeners in case they're like wait what is this like oh. so maybe Chris <laughs> <laughs> so maybe Christopher, could you just kind of describe in a nutshell for our listeners how we, how you would describe uh, the Merkaba meditation? Sure. Um, I learned it from more of a, a new age perspective that I think was drawn from the material of Drunvalo Melchizedek, if we want to give credit to where the first modern view of it. Mm. Um, the idea of it is drawn from Jewish mysticism, meaning the chariot, mm. they call it the Merkava. Um, and a lot of people think it goes back to ancient Egypt, but we can't really prove that. Um, but essentially it's a, a meditation on sacred geometry that uses hand mudras, specific breath work, specific visualization, specific geometries and numbers 
to create a, a spinning geometry of light that's usually based on what people call the star tetrahedron. Kind of looks like a star of David or a six-pointed star, but it's three-dimensional, so it actually has eight points to it. And you imagine yourself inside this, which it's naturally a part of your energy field anyway, but this meditation activates it in a particular way. And it's kind of like turning on your spiritual engine for the, the body of light. It's not the only way to do it, but it's a, the way that's been the most effective that I've experienced. Yeah. So powerful. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So now. Yeah. Well, I was just curious question. if you go through all the numbers. I, I actually go through all of it. Um, ah. And so my own teaching now, so it's kind of expanded from that time and some advanced teachings I'm doing in the temple of witchcraft. It's, it's under the umbrella of something called the society of the temple. Um, but it works with the rays of light, um, what we mm -hmm. call the free rays, and the Merkaba simultaneously. So you're kind of empowering the Merkaba with the rays of light. Oh, boy. Uh, and so I now I've created new, new classes on the Merkaba, how to kind of more detailed into the mysticism of the angels. <gasps> so that is my work over the next couple of years. And, you know, I always like to do things myself for a while. And then I test it out on people and see what advanced practitioners. And I try it out on some new practitioners. And then I write the book. So maybe in a few years, we'll have a book on advanced Merkaba. Uh, I can't wait. So now these rays, what, what are the three rays that you're talking about? So it's drawn from a, a theosophical teaching, which is mm -hmm. kind of the foundation of all, all new age stuff. Um, the science of the seven rays. So the one that is the, the kind of prominent as that migrated into ceremonial magic that influenced Wicca and witchcraft um, were the three first rays um, and the three primary rays different traditions color them in different ways. So the way I learned it was kind of in harmony with the tree of life and, and ceremonial magic, which the way it was first taught is very different. So sometimes when I teach it, people are like, oh, you got that wrong. I'm like, nope, I understand the differences. <laughs> yeah. The way I learned it, that works for me. And this is the way I teach it. Um, so the first ray is the color red and it deals with power and divine will. The second ray is blue um, and it deals with this sense of love and connection. The old traditions called it wisdom and love, but I just focus on love and trust from a witch's perspective. You know, we say perfect love and perfect trust. Mm -hmm. um, and then the third ray, I, it used to be called active intelligence. It's usually, it's yellow. At mm. least when I learn it is yellow. Um, and I kind of think of it more in the witchcraft traditions as wisdom. So if you had to sum it up, it's power, will, love and trust and wisdom. Oh, I cannot wait for this. And then what angels do you work with for the advanced uh, well, Merkaba? It's the idea of taking the archangels of each of the Kabbalistic spheres. And the oldest Jewish traditions of the Merkaba was about um, how you basically were creating a chariot of light that was made from angels. The angels were actually carrying you. So I think a lot of the stuff we've already printed and published and people are doing is like building the skeleton of it. Um, and the idea of working and invoking the angels is what really can take you to higher and deeper levels of consciousness. So imagine like each point on the tetrahedron, imagine as if an archangel is filling that in or holding that. Yeah. In some way. And that's what's causing the rotation. So in the end, I, I have specific angels I work with with the different points, but the class is really going to be about which are the ones for you in those points. Oh my and like you figure out who you connect with the most, that kind of thing. Yeah, and the idea of like each point will connect you to kind of like a, a different level of consciousness, who is the archangel that oversees that for you. There's kind of a, a natural one in ceremonial magic for each of the points. Okay. But if you get somebody different, then go with who you get. I see. Oh, I this love is, this. I mean, I want to start tomorrow. I know, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I already, I knew the Merkaba class was coming, so I signed up for that. It starts in February, right? 
Yeah, so ah, the, I didn't know. The, new, the new classes go is there's a day long on the three rays and there's a day long on the Merkaba. Um, and then for people who study with me long-term, there's um, you can focus on one of the rays. You can do a year of the red ray, you can do a year of the yellow ray. Um, and then we repeat that for three years. So theoretically, it could be a nine-year program. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's some, it's very transformational. Everyone's heard us say it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we really like it. But I love this bringing in the Kabbalah aspect because I've been studying that lately. And I've actually been doing the lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram lately more often than the Merkaba meditation because I just because I've been so fascinated with the Kabbalah. And so um, do you do I was wondering if you do that um, lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram much? I do. I go through phases of it. So um, in our tradition, we've got five different degrees. And the fourth degree is all Hermetic Kabbalah. So when I'm teaching that, I'm definitely living it because I feel like I want to you know, present that energy to the students when I'm teaching it. So you know, I did it quite regularly, almost as regularly as the, the Merkaba. Um, but then you know, my practice would switch into the different levels. So we have a level that's more about ecstatic journey and shamanism. So I might do more of that for a period of time, particularly if I'm teaching it. But it is a core practice. I would not say it's an everyday practice, but I probably do it once a week. Oh, yeah. The Banishing Ritual, the Hexagram, those are pretty pretty core practices for me in ceremonial magic work. The one that's really helpful if you get deeper into it for Merkaba practices, there's the middle pillar and the circle, oh, yeah. the body of light. If you do the Merkaba and then do that, it's phenomenal. Ooh, I'll try that, middle yeah. pillar. So what is the, tell us what the middle pillar is. <clears throat> so middle for... pillar, it, it might be familiar um, in form to a chakra exercise where you're drawing energy down from the heavens, but instead of the seven spheres in, um, Kabbalistic lore, there's three pillars, and the middle pillar is like your spine, um, and there's five centers on it. And each of the pillars, rather than having like a Sanskrit for the chakras, has a Hebrew name of God. So as you descend the light through your crown, you chant the name that, that works with the crown, and then we come down to the throat, then it's about the heart space, then the lower belly or genitals, and then down to the feet. Um, and you chant this divine Hebrew name of God with specific colors, and you can really feel the current moving through you. And then the circulation of the body of light kind of takes that light um, and then it kind of moves it down the body. So you move it down your left side and up your right. You move it down your front and up your back. And then you move it through the pillar and it spirals like a caduceus, like two serpents to fill your yeah. core. And if you've done the Merkaba before that, it just fills the whole geometry of it. It really kind of gives you a, oh. like you know, filling the, the engine up with gasoline type of thing. Yeah. Power to go. So Amazing. when you, once you're filled with this gasoline, <laughs> do you do anything <laughs> with this magical gasoline? What do you do anything? Like, what do you do with it? I'm curious. <laughs> That's a great question. Um, I think it's different each time. So the biggest part of where my practices come from at that point, I feel connected to my guides mm -hmm. and I'll ask, what is our work before us? So each time it could be something different. Um, if I'm focusing on a lot of that Merkaba meditation, there's the different levels. So I might connect to Mother Earth and be like, Mother Earth, is there something I can do in service for you? Mm. And sometimes it's really clear, like you might have read a news report and know that something bad is going on in the world. And it might be just sending your consciousness there and radiating out this healing energy. Mm. Other times, which this is the part I love, because I'm at heart as strange as talking about all these esoteric things. I'm a skeptic at heart. 
you know, so I'm always like, is this real, you know, and, mm -hmm. and I need some type of verification. So I might get guided by Mother Earth to go someplace and I have no idea why or no idea what's going on, but I'll just do it because I trust. Mm -hmm. um, and then I'll find out a couple of days later, oh, this thing was going on there. You know, mm -hmm. there was a war happening there. There's some type of disaster. I'm like, oh, I had no knowledge of that. So I, I feel like that's a little proof point for me. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes it's more esoteric. Sometimes you climb the tree and you might go to a specific realm and commune with its angel or its deity or its spirits. Um, other times I might focus if there's need in my life or community for healing, I might take that energy and, and focus it on healing for a specific person. Mm -hmm. um, I might jump into ritual after that. So if I wanted to do, let's say like um, for the full moon, you know, I might do all that as my preliminary work to get energized up for it so I'm not drained by anything and then I'll go do a magic circle and I'll do my spell work or I'll do my celebration or whatever it may be but it gives me the the juice mm -hmm. to you know, be able to accomplish whatever I want to accomplish how this is the last question I'll ask about <laughs> could talk about this all day but what how long does it take you now to get to that part just the initial part but, just to be done the, the Merkaba yeah just the Merkaba and then maybe the Merkaba and the race um, probably, I mean, you know, I don't time it cause I have my eyes closed, but I yeah. guess around 10 minutes, maybe okay. yeah, seven, yeah. I'd say Merkaba is probably six, seven minutes. And then doing the Ray invocation is a couple of the things I do for just kind of prayer and breath work and relaxing my body and everything. But I'd mm -hmm. say maybe everything 10, 12 minutes to kind of be the base to go forward. Yeah. I am so inspired by this because I just really like the idea of, because I'll do, you know, like lesser vanishing ritual of the pentagram or maybe like a chakra clearing or maybe the Merkaba, like some kind of energetic tune in. And then I'll, I do my visualizations and prayers and just kind of align. But I really like this idea that you just presented of, um, intuitively tuning in like what where what like how did you say what is our work today is that work. Yep. yeah I love that because that it it I feel like that can help me to feel less like because sometimes lately especially lately I've been feeling like oh there's so much going on and I'm not helping I'm just really not being helpful here <laughs> but it's like like I am just one person we all, can all just do what we can do and like I feel like that way of working would be just so way for me to feel like okay, I'm doing what I can do I'm, energetically. I mean, and probably being guided to take steps in the physical world also. I'm not saying just work energetically, but um, I feel like that's just that just feels really inspiring to me. So thanks for that. You're welcome. I, I used to be a lot more regimented. Like I'm a very type A personality. So, you know, I'd be like, Wednesday is for healing and Thursday's oh, for yeah. and, and that just got too much. Like, yeah. you know, I, I think that was good when I was trying to learn something or get skills for it. But I think mm -hmm. once you feel comfortable with it, it's good to just, you know, let spirit guide you and let your guides and your higher self say, this is where you can be most effective. And I so empathize with what you just said, because I feel like there's just so much is on fire in the world. And, mm -hmm. and financially, physical world actions, politically, right. virtually, like there's all these things we can do. And I feel like I start to do one and then something else blows up and I think like, oh, I should really focus my attention here. What's going on here? I need to be educated and you can't do it all. So I think yeah. I try to pick any day in my spiritual practice, you know, whether it be sometimes it's just for me to get, you know, tuned up and healed for me. Cause if I'm not good, then I can't help anybody else. Right. I want to help other people. I just try to say today, what is it I'm here to do? And yeah. I'll get the same thing three or four or five days in a row and other days it'll seem random, but I have to trust it serves. Yeah, I love that. Me too. Because I usually do a little bit, especially now and around the election, I was sending extra light to the whole election, to both 
parties, you know, try to send healing, but, and then I send some to the earth, but then I kind of then go on to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> I like this idea of having it be part of the helping practice a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. I always try to do the me first to fill up. Uh, then yeah. I'm prepped to help other people. Cause I feel like if I, and then sometimes they'll do stuff for me at the end too, because if I feel drained or depressed by what's going on, mm-hmm. you know, I think you need to take care. Of, I think sometimes people think it's selfish to take care of yourself, but I think if you're no. not tuned, you gotta, you, you can't help anybody else. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Fry it out. You can't help anybody. So is that when, um, I, I love in your bio, how you say um, the intersection of love, will, and wisdom. And is that what we're kind of talking about right now? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, for, for me, my writing and my whole life kind of took a different change. I'd say, God, I have to guess, probably around 2010, 2009, 2008, somewhere around there, um, I ended up having a vision. Um, and I was really kind of at a crossroads. And you know, some people, if you're doing this type of work professionally, you might relate to this. You kind of hit a crossroads where you plateau and you got to think either I really have to make this mainstream to reach a bigger audience mm. or I have to do something different. And I really struggled with that. Um, and it was this vision that kind of helped me make the decision because it was very esoteric um, and it was the symbol of um, Druidism in many ways, but it's what they call the symbol of Awen. So it's three dots and it's three lines coming out of it and three circles around it. But my image of it was really different. It had a, a serpent in the center and it had a branch on one side and a spear with feathers on the other. And it was just one of those like coded messages where you see an image and it means so much, but like you're not hearing words. It's not a literal mm. message that you're channeling. It just conveys, and I hate to use the word download, but it's that that kind of idea that you just receive a bunch of information at once. And within nine days, I wrote a book. Wow. And that book was The Three Rays of Witchcraft. And that became a foundation of our temple. Um, and I was starting, I decided at that point, we're going to start a nonprofit. And I decided to get out of big publishing for the most part um, and start my own publishing company and really focus mm. on good, small, deep esoteric work rather than trying to reach a wider audience. And mm. not, that, not that that's not necessary, but I feel like a lot of people are doing that. So it doesn't have to be my job. And I think the things I can bring through, maybe other people wouldn't bring it in the same way. So I, I needed to do that for myself. Um, and that changed my whole life and that changed the whole course of, of where it was. And, and the essence of the intersection for me was, you know, coming from the new age world um, and the light worker world, everything's based in love. And I love that because I think sometimes that's not emphasized enough in occultism and ceremonial magic. Yet in ceremonial magic and witchcraft, it's so will-based. Yet sometimes, even though we talk about perfect love, that's sort of sacrificed. Mm -hmm. Um, And I noticed just observing people, a lot of people were deeply immersed in love, weren't always effective, and were sometimes so emotional and had bad boundaries. Not Mm. perfectly, but they just so empathized, they couldn't, it was hard to deal, you know? people who are so magically inclined on manifestation and doing their will were sometimes jerks and mm-hmm. you know, they get along well with other people or didn't, you know, have empathy. Um, and I didn't want to be either of those, you know? So I was like, what, what is the magic to it? And the image was the serpent kind of undulating back and forth between will mm. and uh, love. And this idea that eventually you have to kind of build your light body or Merkaba to be able to hold both of them at once. But until then, you have to balance them out. So you can't always be in love and not get anything done. And you can't always be trying to accomplish and not have any empathy. But you had a kind of serpent between the two of them. And that I think a a true turning point for us is when you can hold all three of those things. 
and that reminds me of the Kabbalah too, the different, exactly. oh, this is, I'm really glad we're having this conversation. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, you need to hear this right now, especially. <laughs> yeah, I just love, I love the authenticity of it such a good example of, um, I mean, everything you said I love, but I love like the example of um, being like, let me get real clear here on my purpose and what I'm doing. And then for it to be, once you got clear on it, it wasn't the expected thing. Like, you know, we would, we would assume, okay, time to be more famous, time to have a bigger reach and be more, you know, palatable. And it's like, actually, no, it's not, that's not it. And then you felt like energized from that. I just, I love that. Yeah, it gets back to that whole you can't help everybody all the time. Yeah, where would I be most effective? You know, a sincere, smaller, although it's still pretty big comparatively, but you know, a sincere, small group of people who want to go deeper in the mysteries and trust me and like the information I'm bringing through to do that. I'd rather spend my time with them than try to reach everybody a little bit. Yes, yes, I I relate to this in so many ways. It's sort of like also when people come to me for readings, I never want to be with, I never want to have a session with someone who I have to convince of anything. I just want, it's like, if you, like you said, if you trust me and you want to hear what I'm doing, great. Otherwise go to somebody you do trust (laughs) or yeah, I don't want to convince anybody. And also it reminds me of what I'm going to talk about later, actually in the podcast, which is how important it is to get in touch with your particular true essence that you relate to I don't know how I want to say this articulately but it just sounds like you were really clear about like how you wanted to serve you were very in touch with what you were what you were hearing from your soul and from and then it or however you want to put it but expressing that outward and that's so important so many people get lost from that and that's just the 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 starting point is hearing that voice so you can do what you're meant to do. I do want to be clear, you know, for people who might be struggling with it, it wasn't easy or it wasn't instantaneous, you know, um, I'm going to be really honest. I spent a couple years right before that being really angry. Mm. Like he, even earlier in my spiritual tradition and exploration was processing anger. So anger has been a great teacher for me. Mm. And I found myself kind of angry um, at the the mainstream occult and new age worlds, I found myself kind of angry at publishing, you know, and dealing with big corporations that, you know, they have to pay their employees too. And I get that on a certain level, but I was about the art and the spirituality and why aren't you paying attention to that? And mm-hmm. um, when decisions are made where you feel like you have no agency or you're not really being partnered with it um, and thinking it's the only game in town, you feel stuck and you mm-hmm. feel stressful and you feel angry. Um, and some changes happened at one of my publishers, and I've not always had the best luck with publishers. So I, you know, and I realized that's a part of the nature of publishing. Um, and it just changed drastically to a point where I was unhappy and I was very angry. And then I was having to figure out, well, I don't want to live a life angry. Mm-hmm. So do I quit this, or do I do something different, or do I do it in a different way? And that was when I was sort of at that crossroads and received that vision. And um, I thought, I, honestly, at an intellectual level, like you were saying, I thought I was going to jump ship and go for a bigger publisher mm. and maybe drop the word witch and talk about just magic. And I, I kind of had those ideas in my mind. And that's not where my soul led me at all. How did you deal with the anger over that time? Probably not well. <laughs> 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 probably not well. <laughs> better, better than I used to, because I knew... Um, 
you know, I, I'm a big believer in the healthy expression of anger. Uh-huh. I think anger can help you draw boundaries or speak up for injustice or speak up when you know you feel you're not being treated well. But I also realize that you know we all have our own stories and we sometimes you know don't see things clearly when we're angry. Um, so it was my practice, honestly. And it was a lot of times sitting in front of the altar with the candles lit, not getting a whole lot, or mm-hmm. doing the Merkaba, feeling that the Merkaba worked, but then sort of being in the well, now what? Mm-hmm. You know, I've got this energy. I'm trying to clear my energy field out, but it's not. You know, the first time didn't give me the the right answer. The seventeenth time didn't give me the right answer. It was years of doing this and having you know a lot of experiences under my belt to then receive that vision. And it came out of the blue. I just sat down like, you know, any one day, not expecting anything. And then I started to have the symbol and I'd be like, what's that? And kind of received everything and then got out of the meditation really quickly and started writing things down. And I kept writing for nine days and I sort of had a vision and a plan of what I thought was important. But then I looked at it and goes, well, what do I do with this? Yeah. You know, Llewellyn's like, not gonna publish this and you know, nobody's gonna wanna, you know, put this out. This is so niche and so weird and so artsy. Um, but learning to embrace that, like even since then, I did a book of poetry. It was Kabbalistic poetry and no mainstream publisher would have published it, but I published it and put artwork in it. And really, it's one of my favorite books, one of my least selling books, but it's one of my favorite books. What's it called? It's called The Phosphorus Grove. The Phosphorus Groat? Grove. 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 Like Growth. Grove. G-R-O-V-E. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Got it. A New England accent coming out there. Um, <laughs> and then I have a, another book coming out um, for Yule, hopefully, uh, if we can get it out in the next week or two, or maybe at the beginning of next year, called The Witch's Hut. Yeah, and that and it's fiction? Um, it's, it's, I would call it more parable. It's not a full, you know, fiction story of, of what people would think of as a novel, um, but the essence of it is it's a teaching story. And so without spoiling anything, um, imagine kind of a, a timeless village. I don't say where it is, I don't say who it is. Um, and they have a great storm and their barn gets hit by lightning and burns down. And they think it's the witch's fault ever since the witch has been in the town, you know, it's evil has, has come about. And they go in the middle of this, you know, thunderstorm knocking on her door wanting to lynch the witch. And it's her response to that. So each short chapter is sort of like a teaching story of, you know, mm. question your assumptions and question, you know, the role of consciousness and magic and common sense. Um, so it's more of a parable, you know, so it's Is about- it like, it, it kind of reminds me of Cahill Gibran, the prophet, like that, that's, that's the structure. That's exactly the structure. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah. It is in that, you know, level of mastery, but it's of that. Oh, that, okay. You know, that's yeah. actually my mother's favorite book and every oh. year on the anniversary of her death, I read it. Um, oh yeah, it's beautiful, beautiful. I was having a conflict with somebody in the, the greater witchcraft world, you know, personality conflicts that are out there and uh, really kind of thinking about victimhood and blame and how even in witchcraft, we other other people, yeah. Yeah. you know? Um, and that bothers me, that's always bothered me. And I found myself doing it with this person and he was definitely doing it with me. Um, and I really just started questioning, well, why do we do that? And, and started getting a little voice in my head. I don't think it was necessarily a spirit or if it was, I don't know who it was. Um, but I wrote down a bit and then we kind of reconciled and then I, I put it away. And so this book has been in the making for maybe six or seven years. Um, but every time I had a conflict, I would go back to it and sort of ask my questions of like, well, why is this happening? And I'd sort of uh, answer it. That'd become a chapter in the book. Oh, that's really cool. That's really great. I'm excited for that. Um, I just want to go back because real quick <laughs> to what, because I think it's really amazing that you you know, had this crisis and then you created your own publishing company. Is that what you did? So that was your answer was I'm going to create this for myself. So because some people, I mean, Tess and I are, I'm about to 
self-published and Tess is self-published. So, but you didn't want to go that route. You wanted to create your own, um, your own publishing company. Well, in the end, um, I had a lot of help. I would say I'm not the most technical person. Mm -hmm. uh, so my two partners um, with me, both my partners in life and my partners in our temple and my partners in the publishing business. Um, my partner, Steve, is in the role-playing game industry. So uh -huh. he has a lot of knowledge about publishing from that aspect of it. Oh boy, uh, role-playing game. My yep, son is obsessed and I have yep, to ask him might, about that later. Some of my husband's stuff, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, and then uh, my partner, Adam, you know, has been much more involved in the, the dealing with the people and the stores and doing sales and everything. And our original vision, like all of it coming together, wasn't just the publishing. We ended up creating a nonprofit for our community called the Temple of Woodcraft. And our, our original, original goal was to have the temple own the publishing company, as a lot of religions have a publishing wing, you know. Mm. Um, but it's interesting. So, the you know, I would say we were treated fairly in the whole process and the, the government didn't wig out because it was witchcraft, you know, but they're really circumspect to make sure you're not trying to evade taxes and all that. And Except so, with Scientology. Yes, that's true. <laughs> and even, I, mean, I think larger religions that have better lawyers probably. Right. Mm -hmm. Oh, and in religions that literally threaten the IRS. Yeah. So we, you know, you we, didn't any, we didn't have any of that. So, you know, we're, we're in fact, I remember having this really keen um, conversation. I was calling somebody from the IRS. They're, they're located in Los Angeles. Um, and, you know, I was, and I wasn't unpleasant. I was unhappy at that moment because um, of the way I felt we were being treated. And she's like, sir, I just want you to take a breath. She goes, I'm here living out in Los Angeles. There's a lot of different religions out here that get processed and that we see. And, you know, I, I'm in part of this national office. I see a lot of things. She goes, let me just assure you, this has nothing to do with the type of religion you are. These are the questions we ask everybody. Mm. I can understand your concern. Hmm. I can understand you feeling that maybe because it's not a mainstream view of things that you're you know there's something different going on here but let me assure you everything is set she's like i just have to get through these questions and and we'll be okay and from mm. that point on we were but one nice. of the things they said was because i had prior success in the genre of the publishing uh. they wanted that and, and primarily it was going to be publishing my books they wanted that to be separate so what we oh. did we put out a few anthologies um, and if we have not like that we make exceedingly large profits but if we have corporate profits that's not to get paid you know anybody's salaries or anybody's job functions or my royalties we can donate that to the temple so that way it becomes a tax write-off for the business for the temple we have a couple books that 100 percent of it goes to the temple to help support the temple anthologies that people submitted articles to um, but it's separate from it so that's why we originally set it up as an llc and that way you know if something should ever happen to me or even just at the, the end of my natural life and my partner's lives the temple can then buy it because there'd be no conflict or the temple can just, we can bequeath it to the temple mm -hmm. and that would be a source of income for the temple to go on past our lives. Cool. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I just, yeah, I really love how you took that dark night of the soul and really created a whole new life for yourself in some ways. Absolutely. My life is totally different than what I would have thought of at that, that point. Yeah. So one more question. Is that okay, Natasha? Can yeah. I ask? Okay. So I'm, I'm wondering about um, the use of trance. Can you talk to us oh, about yeah. how you use trance in um, witchcraft and spirituality? Absolutely. Um, I think that's the key to so much of this. I even think, you know, we've been talking a lot about the Merkaba. The Merkaba is a type of a collection of trance techniques. Mm. You know, and I found when I got involved in, in witchcraft, um, I'm not, I'm not a natural. 
I guess I would say, you know, a lot of people are naturally intuitive or naturally energetically sensitive and all that. I think I'm all of those things, but I didn't come to it naturally. I think like a lot of us, I was a math science kind of person. So mm. a lot of blocked out my intuition. Are artistic. you an earth sign? I am an earth sign. I'm oh yeah. What's your sign? Taurus. <laughs> what's your moon and rising? Uh, my moon is Virgo and cancer rising. So oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We talk about this on the on the podcast a lot because I'm a Pisces rising Aquarius like I naturally am like ah. and <laughs> T- <laughs> and Tess is more like when she meditates it's like she's like becomes one with the earth or something like she come yeah. into my body and like yeah. just last week I was like yeah you go into an altered state when you do a reading when you meditate and Natasha was like you do she's like well I'm like I do. think that's just how I I think I said you call it an altered state I call it the way it that's is just how it is <laughs> <laughs> I think that that illustrates exactly what we're talking about because I think a lot of great witches are naturally in that state so that's just life to them but I think if you're not like I remember my first circle I went to and the magic turned out to be profound mm. but I remember somebody being like you know could you feel Archangel Michael <laughs> being called from the south and his fiery energy and I was like I heard you call him. You know, like, <laughs> I didn't feel anything. I didn't have a great vision. I was like, what the hell is going on here? You know, that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, it was, it was eye-opening for me. And, and there's that part of you, the rational skeptic that goes, are they crazy? Did they actually see Archangel Michael? Well, now yeah. I get what they're talking about, but I didn't then. Um, and thankfully my teachers were all about trance. We're all about entering into an altered state. Um, and that really sparked me as the scientist to say, well, what is the mechanism that lets you be psychic? What's the mechanism that lets you be more magical? Because otherwise people would be doing it all the time, clearly. So there's got to be a, a science behind it. And that's really what Lori Cabot's emphasis was. And she was my first serious teacher. And my first mentor was her student. So that deeply influenced just my view that there's a science along with the spirituality and along with the art of it. Oh, wow. Um, my husband's going to love to hear this because he's always like, but how do you know that this is happening? <laughs> so that, do you recommend her work to? I absolutely do. Yeah. And for fact, people. It's, been, it's been lovely because um, with our publishing company, we've been able to support her and put out some of the books that she's wanted to put out. That oh, might nice. Mainstream enough for her bigger publishers, but you know, she wanted to put out a book of shadows and a book of spells from her shop and everything. So, oh, nice. Um, she was a writing partner, so I was able to help her with that and, and get those out. So it's been very exciting for that. That's great. Did I, sorry if I interrupted. I just got no. excited. So trance, yeah. So you feel like that's yeah, the way that like trance plays in? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I wrote a whole book called The Gates of Witchcraft that takes the Gardnerian eight paths of trance. Well, they don't quite call it that. Um, and expands it to 12 and just talks about how there's not one way to do it and everyone's going to find the techniques that work for them and there's some hardcore techniques that you might only do occasionally to kind of make something bigger and there's everyday techniques you can use and even things that we might not think of as trance like drumming and dancing that's what they do they induce Mm -hmm. trance and Mm -hmm. other things are more like hypnotism where you're kind of calming down and tuning in but they all lead to the same place they're just different methods to get there yeah to help kind of step into that place where you are one with everything where you're um, for me it's like my um the the human mind is quiet like the ego is quiet it's just like just like flowing through and that is merkaba for sure like that's a trance the the spinning aspects i really feel that kind of gets me into that zone 
Because when you think of the Merkaba, it's using specific breaths, specific hand yeah. positions, specific focuses visually. Like it's not one of the hardest things I have in teaching Merkaba because so many of my teachings and a lot of our teachings are like, well, what came up for you? And how did that feel? And, you know, but the Merkaba when you start it is, okay, it's a star tetrahedron and one's going to go left and one's going to go right. And this is the breath. And this is how right. many times you do this breath. And this is the finger you hold. And this is the color light you see. It's a lot like um, Buddhist or Hindu Tantra. You know, uh -huh. where you focus on a specific mandala or you're focusing on a deity and the deity's crown is this color and it's not that color. You got to focus on this color. Um, and that rubs people sometimes the wrong way. And, and I have to explain, you know, it's just starting the engine. You know, once yeah. the engine started, you can have whatever you want, but it's the, there's a certain step to get it going. And these are the steps. But when you look at it, it takes all the basic levels of trance. And yeah. it's a beautiful thing. That's why I love it. And and then you have that structure. That's one of the things I love so much about the Merkaba and the lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram is that the structure just feels so comfortable <laughs> to me to go into that. Well, it's so funny. Such, well, just such a Virgo Capricorn thing to say. <laughs> Where I'm like, oh, there we are. <laughs> like it doesn't even, I'm like, oh, we're doing this. Like when my guys were like making this sphere of light around me, it, I feel like for you, it would feel like, oh, structure. And for me, I was like, whoo, this is, <laughs> this is new. What are we doing? <laughs> anyway, it's been so great talking to you. This is, yeah. I mean, you have so much information. Where can people learn from you? What are you doing? Tell us all about tell, it. Tell us where to find you. Yeah. The, the best places um, are my website, which is ChristopherPenzak.com and the temple's website, templeofwitchcraft.org. Although these days I feel like I'm far more busy on Facebook and Twitter and oh. Instagram and all that. So I'll usually try to post things there, but my complete lists of what's going on and my mailing list and the temple's mailing list are on those two websites. So ChristopherPenzak.com, templeofwitchcraft.org. Okay, great. Well, thank, thank you, you so much. Yes, it was such a delight you. to talk to you. That was great. Okay. We, Welcome back. Yes. Wasn't that fun? We loved yes, that. Yes, we did. I'm excited to take all, I mean, it, I've, I feel like I've said this before, but like you always talk about, I mean, you read so many books and I take so many classes. Yeah. I think I'm realizing it's because, well, I don't know. It's just how I like to learn. I want, I buy a lot of books, but then I don't always read them and I get them from the library. Do you ever have a thing from the library where they say it's a 14 day book or do you not go to the mm. library? I get, uh, yeah, I, I get a lot of books on my Kindle, oh, from yeah. the downloadable library, but yeah, before COVID I went to the library also. Oh yeah. I get them from the library. It, we have it at COVID at covid we have it at covid even though there's covid oh no we have it too i just you don't, don't go, go there because yeah you're you're afraid all right i mean i'm not calling you <laughs> <laughs> well no i just figure i will just you're use too the scared test? one <laughs> scaredy cat is that it oh okay <laughs> this doesn't seem like it is essential I to see, me I to see. go well, into it's the not, I, they actually have a thing where you leave your books at like you call ahead like they have a little station so they drop oh, off nice. the books and then you just pick them up so you don't have to interact with anybody oh they probably have that in boulder yeah. too i bet but anyway i i didn't know until recently that if it says like 14 day book on it 
if at the end of the 14 days they take it from you when it's time they don't let you renew that and <laughs> you mean if it's on your kindle i don't get books from kindle oh. i can't read that way <laughs> Oh, they don't. You mean you can't renew it? No, they, they don't, don't let allow you. It. And they pretend uh, they let you. They say, "Come into the library to renew it," and then you go in there, and they're like, "Sorry, got to take it from you." Uh, it's because it's their new books anyway. Last time I got two fourteen-dayers, and I didn't realize that there's no way I'm going to read those in time. This uh, was a long, unnecessary story. Anyway, <laughs> shall we listen to our? Oh, if you want to ask us a question, we again we won't be here for two weeks, but actually, we will be interviewing producer Brett, aka my husband, the next interview because we'll be talking about how I manifested him into existence. Yeah, he didn't exist before. I'm I'm just kidding. But <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you have any questions about that. For producer Brett, go ahead and ask us. You can leave a voicemail at 828-333-7181, 828-333-7181, or ask on magicmondaypodcast.com under ask a question. You also can ask other questions. It doesn't have to be about that. Yeah. But it would be fun. Yeah, so... Before we get into the question, oh. I just want to say that since we have had a couple of days since we interviewed Christopher, I did do the thing where I said, what is our work today? Oh, nice. Today in my meditation, oh. and it was awesome. I loved it. I'm going to do it all the time now. Nice. I went to Washington, D.C., and I worked with the Violet Fire. Oh. That's what I was instructed to do. Violet transmuting flame in the White House all around Nice. The whole city. Yeah, it's really cool. That's great. I, yeah. um, for some reason, was led to deers. And Ooh. I don't know why. I always do spend time with the earth, but I don't do it the way he said, like, what is the, our work today? But I did, I was like, well, where else should I go? And for some reason, I was instructed toward deers. And I just realized that Brett saw some deers on the walk the other day with the dogs running somewhere. I hope they're oh, okay. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I don't know if they were local deers, but I kind of sent I sent it to all the deer. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. He didn't mention it on here, but he has the Merkaba meditation for... Um, A guided. Yeah. For purchase. Yeah. So if you... Yeah, you can get it on his website, ChristopherPenzak.com. Yeah. If you don't want to buy the whole book, although it's a great book. Let's Yeah, I, it is a really great book. Great book. Um, okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. Should we listen to the voicemail now? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Hello. My question is, um, I actually have a lot of friends whose middle school daughters are getting into um, Wicca, and they always ask me for advice. So I thought I would ask y'all what advice you have for this younger generation who's getting into the magical world. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Okay. So do you want to go first? Sure. So um, my friend Ellen Dugan has a book called Elements of Witchcraft, Natural Magic for Teens. And I have not read it, um, but I have looked at the table of contents and it looks perfect. Also, I would that's what I would expect from Ellen Dugan. I would, if I had a teenage daughter who was beginning to be a witch, I would be like, Ellen, can you please talk to her? Mm, <laughs> so would. luckily she has a, a book, yeah, that you can get for your daughter if she's 
a teen who's start, or, or son, your your child, yeah, um, who's getting into magic and witchcraft because it's just like the stuff, the real basic stuff about protecting your energy, grounding your energy, like working with masculine, feminine energies, working with the earth and the elements, um, and like do's and don'ts. I mean, that kind of stuff is just so important. I mm-hmm. wish I was telling Natasha, I wish I had had that book when I first started. First of all, it didn't exist yet. Second of all, I was 19 and I would have thought I was too old for it. Too but cool looking at for the table, school. too cool. Yeah. <laughs> Give me the advanced books, which then caused problems oh, yeah. because I needed to start at the beginning. It was a kind of a dangerous age to be starting. But you know what? I learned. I still learned. You learn no matter what. You, you live, you learn. You know, just like Alanis Morissette said. Exactly. Saying. Which I was listening to that album at that time. Mm, yeah. But yeah, and I did live and learn. So yeah, that's my <laughs> advice is Elements of Witchcraft yeah. by Ellen Dugan. Um, well, I do have a teenage daughter and a tween son and their mother is a witch. So it's a little different because they can just ask me. However, what I do is, I mean, I know I am a witch, but I'm... M- more energy healing in terms of my practice um so for learning more of the things that I don't even know my daughter found this amazing excuse me my daughter found this amazing school online called the gray school is that what it's called gray school or gray Gray school the gray Mm -hmm. school g-r-e-y um, it's so good. I was like, oh, my God, I want, as I've already said, I love to do classes. I was like, I want to do some of these with you. Um, but then <laughs> I didn't. But it, she learned so much. Like she had, I ha- even have her list up in my closet of like ma- the rules of magic. And they're so awesome for anybody. I wish everyone would do this. So I really recommend that. The other thing is just getting books. I leave them out. Like I have this one book about rituals and um, for the year and um, and I just leave it out and they both go through it and they're like, oh, we should do this one. And like on 11-11, we did an intention one where we wrote down the things and um, we forgot to do it. Yes, the 12-12 one. But anyway, um there yeah so just like with any kind of learning I love teaching kids this way my kids in particular is I just leave out books of interest so we have like science books and witchcraft books on our coffee table um and like popular mechanics magazine and like it's just all of it kind of and humans of New York book they really so it's just sort of there for when they're bored and then they just pick it up and they learn so much that way that that is so interesting because I was just telling Dad the other day that um, I started meditating when I was in high school, and and he was like, you know, we're, we're like, how did that happen? And it was because my mom had oh. Buddhist books that she had gotten from her book club oh, that are, you know, those those book clubs that used to. I don't think they still exist, uh, but where you, you would like be five. like a member of something. And they would send you a book every month yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. It was that. And it was a book that had meditation instructions in it. And so I started meditating. And then I found every Buddhist book I could find at the bookstores in my small town. And so, yeah, that does really work. I mean, it worked for me. Yeah, it does. Just having it out because then they don't feel like you're like forcing it on them or something. It's just, and then it's also like, you know, they can pick their interest. Um, but if you are <clears throat> wanting to, 
teach them about or if they're interested it's great just go to the library and get a bunch of books and and put it leave it out um so that's that isn't it that's That's our final question for 2020 so now we'll go to the final energy report of 2020. Of so this is really savor the song, you guys. Here we go. Here we go. It's time for the energy report. Oh, God. We went off on a whimper, I think. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it again. Okay, let me try again. It's time for... <laughs> There's a cat purring against me. <laughs> the energy report. Oh, God. <laughs> It just wants to die. This is the last time. It's ready to go. It doesn't want me to keep doing it. Okay. Okay. One more time. (laughs) Last time. Okay. It's time for (laughs) the the energy report. Gosh. Okay. Well, that was good. that was that was. You <laughs> know, uh, we did it. Yeah, as we should. It went out with a bang. Yeah, and in the that and time. next year, I'll be trying out a variety of jingles. Okay. <laughs> so, if this is your first time here, <laughs> the energy report is where I talk about the energy trends that I've noticed in the week before, and then I'm feeling into in the week ahead. Um, based on my clients, myself, and the astrology. So what, there's, there's two things, and this is, I'm not just saying this because it's totally aligned with my Zoom today, (laughs) but it really is about, one, really honoring where we've been in 2020 and feeling into, (laughs) you still laughing about the energy? (laughs) (laughs) A little bit. Okay. Feeling into, um just really honoring the pain we've been in, you know, that yeah. everything we've been through, all the, yes, there's been a lot of transformation, I think, for a lot of people, um, but there's also been a lot of grief and a lot of difficulty, and I, we really need to just honor that and be like, hey, this happened, you know, at the very yeah. least, and it would be also great to say, like, I got through this, like, celebrate yourself, um, acknowledge the pain and the suffering, and that you are getting through it, however you are getting through it is perfect. Yeah. I just posted something on Instagram about how there's no bad feelings and it's all part of the flow. So wherever you are with it is where you're supposed to be and it's it's all part of the flow. It's okay. Um, but just having compassion for yourself. So that's one thing. You can light a candle. Maybe you can write down all that you've learned this year or all that you have been through um, and give your, like I said, just write it down or say it or have a little maybe thing on your altar um, just to acknowledge it. 
And then the second part of that is, well, what you may want to do is after you do that, give it a blessing and then send it into a, um, I like to imagine a gold rose. I always do that outside of my space. Kind of just suck up anything that hasn't served you that you're done with. Explode the rose and let the energy go where it's supposed to. Um, And then get in touch with what it is that you want to be growing now into what element of your um, real core essence do you want to be growing more? So maybe it's the feeling of abundance or feeling of safety or um, feeling of connection, whatever it is, that feeling, um, tapping into that feeling. Okay, so taking some deep breaths, filling up with gold light, maybe putting your hand on your heart and then bringing up that feeling. Where can you feel it in your body? Are you laughing at the kitten? Oh, oh, no, oh you're I smiling. Just, I just listen. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I'm just smiling because I'm holding my kitten against me as we're doing this. Um, so, <clears throat> so putting your hand on your heart, feeling where do you feel it in your body? Where can you, how can you connect to that feeling? And then just allowing it to grow. Allowing it to grow into your aura more and filling up even more with gold light. And then just noticing more you know, throughout the day, oh, can I bring up that feeling right now? Um, Another thing you can do, which is something we do in our course, and I'm going to touch on on Monday, is um, tapping into where have I felt this in the past? And um, like, where can I bring this more into my life? Doing some journaling about that. Like, or, and if you're not sure about what the feeling is, think about things that you love, things that have made you feel alive, things you fantasize about. What is that feeling? And then that'll help you get a little bit more clear about what you want to bring into more into this next few months and coming here. So that's it. That was the energy okay. report. That was great. Right. Okay, and so aligned too with the oh, right. with practical magic. So now it's time for practical magic. Oh, that kitty is so cute. Who's this? His name is David. I actually did oh, a little healing buddy. on David um, yesterday so because um, he still nurses. He tries to nurse oh, on things, yeah. and um, so. It happened so fast because he really wanted this healing. I saw his contract that he didn't like. He didn't know where his mother was, so he was trying yeah. to find it. So I up. He allowed me to update it so that I'm his mother. You know that he felt oh, safe good. with me. And as soon as I did it, he like went from where he was and sat on my neck, which he had never Aww. done before. <laughs> and he was with me all day after that. Oh, that's the best. Yeah, he feels a lot safer. I think it's pretty cute. All right. Okay, so practical magic. So today, as Natasha mentioned, new moon and solar eclipse, and the moon is in Sagittarius mm-hmm. during the eclipse and at the new moon, and then it moves into Capricorn tonight. And um, and then we have in one week, one week from today, next Monday, we have the solstice mm-hmm. when the sun also enters Capricorn. And, you know... And and I hear this is like a big conjunction too is happening. Is that right? Yes. Jupiter is yeah. going to come into Aquarius. Yeah. Aquarius with um, Saturn. Real big shift. Yeah. And 
what I am tuning into for this next week, even though it's a new moon, so that's, you know, usually like growing energy, adding energy, there's still to me a real simplification type of thing happening. We're continuing this sort of like creating space. Um, so relax. So think about relaxing, simplifying. You know, if you can get rid of any extras and you know, like physical extras, but also maybe stuff like responsibilities, just mm-hmm. really. And I mean, this is aligned with winter and the solstice also because mm-hmm. it's about rest. It's the most yin time of year. It's the darkest time of year if you're in the northern hemisphere. What about um, if you're in the southern? Sorry, What's I that? didn't mean to interrupt there. Um, I meant to interrupt at another time. Um, what about cleaning? <laughs> is that good? Too? Yeah. If that, if you feel guided, yeah. you know, I would say this is like really, it really feels a, to me like alignment is a key word. Okay. So if it seems aligned, if you're like, oh, I just really want to clean. Like yesterday, I just, it seemed really easy to me to clean. Yeah. Like it was like easier than normal. That's why I asked <laughs> because I was, yeah, because I felt like cleaning my whole kitchen today. Yeah, so if that is part of the simplification, that to me cleaning, yeah, that that would be an example, but I just don't want you to do that if it seems like not, not sure. in flow. Yeah. Yeah. In general, just like relaxing and get in paring it down and and also while you're doing that and taking care of yourself and that can all be also aligned with like, wow, I really I've been learning a lot, I've been going through a lot, just that kind of like alignment that has to do with letting go and taking care of yourself and creating space. And while you're doing that, also keeping in the back of your mind, what what, what do I care about? What feels like really aligned with my purpose, with my joy? Like how can I offer my gifts? Not like in a drained, draining way yet. Like not like, oh, I have to go work so hard right, right now, but more like just what? What is it that when I'm doing it, when I'm offering it, it, I feel like I'm in flow, like I lose track of time, I feel excited, I I feel energized. Yeah, for mine too, it really was, yeah, linked up with that. Like, what do I fantasize about? What do I want to feel more? Right, with no pressure. So think about up until the solstice, think about it like without any pressure, just with joy, just kind of like that this is a fun thing to think about when I have time, like let it energize you and nourish you and not drain you like, oh, now I have to make a to-do list and do all this stuff. None of that yet, just like the joy of it. And then on the solstice. That's when the pressure comes. (laughs) exactly (laughs) well that is when the sun moves into capricorn so it's gonna feel more natural for all of us to be like now let's start creating this let's start bringing it into form let's start creating structures that are going to nourish it but instead of like we don't have to think about that quite yet let's just go to the solstice with this practical magic so on solstice I'm really feeling like if you feel like this also resonates with you, I am feeling a red pillar candle. Like, you know, different candles for different energies and pillar candles to me are just this like solid, strong, big energy, like grounded. Yeah. It's not going to tip over. It doesn't even need like a candle holder. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes I like small candles. I even like birthday candles sometimes, Uh, but this like a big, nice, big red, preferably natural wax, some kind of natural clean burning wax Mm -hmm. candle and then light it. 
breathe, relax, call on the divine in a way that feels powerful for you, and then um, set some intentions that are in alignment with your authentic self, your authentic values, and your goals for the year ahead. And write them. Of course, I always recommend writing your goals in the present tense as if they're already true. And then just feel that as you light that candle, like feel like that strength, how it locks you in to a feeling of alignment mm-hmm. with who you are, with divine mm-hmm. flow, like just really feel grateful for being in that, for locking into that. It really goes with the energy report. So you can like first light a candle to celebrate yourself and, and mm-hmm. acknowledge everything that you've been through and then do it for this. Yeah. Yeah, there we were tapping into that same yeah, current exactly. of energy, which is why was that it? Are you done with that? That's okay, it. Yeah. Which is why our um, I realized we forgot to mention what the subject was of our Instagram live. Did we? No, we didn't yeah. mention. Yes, we did forget, and no, we didn't mention. Yeah, so that's why, <laughs> and you'll hear when we do the cards in a second. Um, it's because oh, that we're gonna do the Instagram live about transmutation like taking that old energy and transmuting it into into something joyful and beautiful yeah i'm not that shadow stuff isn't also beautiful but just if it's not serving you anymore that's what we're talking about well and it is it can serve you in a way like that's that transmuting energy is there's a momentum yes to everything and then you instead of fighting against that momentum or trying to stop it you just use that same momentum, but you transform it into something that does serve yes. you, that nourishes you, that brings you joy. Okay, so now it's time for housekeeping, right? Um, yep. So you can find me at highestlighthealing.com, highestlighthealing.com. On, um, uh, you can sign up for classes and whatever on there. <laughs> My mailing list, you know, you get meditations (laughs) when you sign up for the mailing list. You can schedule a session, you know, whatever. And then also on Instagram (laughs) and Facebook at Highest Light Healing. And where can we find you? Tess Whitehurst. You can find me at TessWhitehurst.com, which is where you can find a bunch, a bunch of free meditations and rituals and inspiration, um, spells, Yule inspiration, solstice inspiration. Mm. Um, and you can find me on Instagram at Tess4444, on Twitter at Tess Whitehurst, on Facebook at Tess Whitehurst Author, and on YouTube at Tess Whitehurst. And you can find us at Magic at- Monday. <clears throat> Boy, today, magicmondaypodcast.com. You can ask us a question on there. Remember the ones for producer Brett, maybe, um, and, and or in general. And um, you can sign up for a course there. Lots of other stuff. Listen to the podcast, but you're probably you're already listening. So um, also Facebook Magic Monday listeners is a fun little group. Magic Monday Pod on Facebook and Magic Monday Podcast on Instagram. Okay, so we picked our cards for the week. We're just, we already recorded it, as we said. So we already know what they are. I picked Dream a Beautiful Dream from the Sacred Rebels Oracle by Alana Fairchild. And essentially, it's about that. Okay, I'll just say the urge to create is the same within you as it is for the universal creator. 
It also has the same magical ability to draw harmony into being and to find beautiful order in chaos. Um, This is also the part of you that wants to dream of beauty and bring it into life as many ways as possible as possible in how you eat, dress, look, behave, create art, relate to your community, write your poetry by moonlight or bathe by candlelight. If you have come to believe that your love of beauty is superficial rather than a genuine expression of your heart's appreciation of symmetry, harmony, and grace, then you may block your ability to create harmony in your life. So basically it's about, you know, um, well, creating beauty out of everything. Yeah, and attuning to your divine flow, like we were talking about. Yes, exactly. You are meant to dream of beauty and to create beauty in its far more holistic and creative definition. Um, It comes, this oracle comes with a particular message for you. I don't think we read this last time. There's a situation in your life right now where you feel uncertain about your ability to fix or heal. You lack the inspiration to be able to imagine it differently than how it currently seems to be. However, the perfect beauty of the situation is not revealed by what you attempt to do with it or trying to impose the right dream upon it. It is to be healed and perfected into all that it can be through the revelation of the beauty that already lies within it. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's exactly what we're talking about. All right. Love it. It's like our our course. Yes. Yes. So I drew Water Lily from my Magic of Flowers Oracle, and the message for Water Lily is transmute. This is one of my favorite cards. It's the Water Lily is just this beautiful white light, sparkly white light, and then you see how it's grounded in the murky depths. That's why it's a symbol of transmutation. Mm -hmm. And I also love how it starts with a Cahill Gibran quote because we talked about Cahill Gibran with Christopher. So here's what it says. Cahill Gibran wrote, the deeper that sorrow carves into your being, the more joy you can contain. Mm. And the same is true for the dynamics of other polarities. For example, the more you, you experience something you don't want, the greater you understand what you do want. And consequently, the more empowered you are to manifest exactly the conditions you desire. Mm. Similarly, our bitterest enemy is often the one who teaches us our most valuable lessons. Our past traumas are the portals into our deep wisdom and our greatest weakness might actually be revealed to be our greatest strength in disguise what's more it's important to think of everything in terms of energy when you fight against the momentum of any energetic pattern you may very well be fueling it with an even greater energy this dynamic is consciously employed in the invention called a slingshot and it can also be observed in cases where an action is prohibited and therefore gets more out of control than it otherwise would have On the other hand, when you flow with the energy of what you desire to change and then consciously shift its pattern into something else while retaining its natural momentum, your efforts are fueled rather than foiled. So there's a little bit more. Exactly. The same, like this says, you can overcome resistance and denial by approaching it with a curious mind and open heart and the healing and and it will just. Yeah. And it's in it so like I love this for the end of 2022 yes. for us just to be like here it all is 
here's all the stuff that we went through and all the ways that we learned and all the ways that we deepened our ability to be like present yeah very much yeah so yeah I feel like it is that quote that beginning quote to me is such a 2020 quote the deeper that sorrow carves into your being the more joy you can I love that this says in opening up to the beauty within yourself and your circumstances you also open up to change I love the whole thing it's so in line so thank you so much everybody for being with us this year we love you we appreciate you and um, maybe we'll see you Wednesday yeah blessed Yule and happy new year What are we doing? <laughs> <laughs>